Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to an extra late third birthday edition of Thrash and Treasure, the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast that guessed what? What? I spy with my camera eye another British diva in Hollywoodland tonight, so put on your nerdiest bow tie because we're all about to lose our lunch money. But luckily this three-time baby genius turned super kid was first spotted pottering around Stoke-on-Trent when Ma Bridgewater swept him off to Arkham City where this alumni of Batman begins his heroic quest to conquer a career on camera and origin you glad he did because soon after this supernatural star trekked to the good place as quickly as the flash of the Thunderman's lightning where his hot bot inspired 16 wolf whistles from a doctor who worked at Chicago Med and I totally dead can believe that after finding lethal seduction on his resume but let's resume eh as things are getting not safe for work now which means we better lock up your dads and put on your golden shoes ready for our side hustle night shift like two broke girls who know there's no escape escaping daddy issues so with a lump in our throats and an itch in our pants oh wait that came out wrong so with an itch in our throats and a lump in our pearl, oh my goodness, we're raising hope we'll hit the mother load and let's just hope they don't shoot horses, do they? But if they don't, please help this Aussie fishmonger shoot a huge Victorian g'day and echo three, 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 direct to 90210 in LA, confidential Lee, where we'll warm up the leftovers because we need to talk to the Queen of the South, Linda, from HR, about this truly modern family man who's always breaking news in Yuba County, knowing it's always sunny in Philadelphia. When you're a leading man with all the family tools and legit rules of engagement after being farmed and dangerous on the ant farm from whence he became an age ant of S.H.I.E.L.D. and copped an unlawful eyeful of a dozen or so cop and law shows such as NCIS, Los Angeles, The Rookie, Dr. Death, ooh, Joshua Jackson, Call Me Already, Leverage and 911 Lone Star due to having already made himself a home in the house of Ryan Murphy. Shout out to Tim Mania with stints in Dharma, American Horror Story, and his breakout role as Victor Buono in Feud, Betty and Joan, proving there's definitely no wide hangups here. So bring me Agorax as we welcome to the torture chamber this delicate actor, singer, writer, director, producer, super nerd, and tasty zombie meal after being dished up to Colin, Zombeo, Jolicula, and Drew Barrymore for a Santa Clarita diet because there's 1,000 ways to dine on this man's career. So let that marrow on eight as we serve up this sizzling special guest with a side of yes queen because it's the one and only mr dominic burgess yay welcome to the torture chamber how are you going <laughs> oh my gosh that was uh did you just sit at imdb and then just go wild pretty much or just off the top of your head this is my blind cat blink, by the by. Oh, yeah, I love pets when they pop up on the show. Uh, yeah, basically that I printed off your IMDb and then I found the patterns and where do we go from there? Oh my gosh, that's deep. There, there were a lot of deep cuts in there. There's a lot of stuff that wasn't even on IMDb in there. They shoot horses, don't they? That takes me back. Yeah, um, I think that must have been on there. I don't know. I got it from somewhere. I know it was in school, but... Maybe it was in the bio on there. That was, uh, gosh, I did that at, at my last year. That was my final production at drama school. Yeah. They shoot horses, don't they? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And then after that, you went on to Batman Begins. Yeah, that was my first professional job. Didn't end up in the movie, but I ended up in the credits. And that's what counts for me. Oh, lucky I didn't put it on. Lucky what? I didn't put on. Usually I'll put on, <laughs> you know, people's old films. Yeah, yeah. Just to see what their first credit was. And quite often I've got them on DVD. Yeah, good luck. 
luck. You wouldn't be able to find it. Yeah. I uh, I auditioned <laughs> for it, went down and filmed, and then uh, yeah, didn't didn't make the final cut of the film, but my name survived the closing credits. But not before I took a whole bunch of friends to the Odeon Cinema to watch it, and then died a little inside when the moment oh, passed. Yeah. And my friends are like, "You said you're in Batman." I'm like, "Yeah, once upon a time." Oh no. You know what? That that happened to me with the Hulk. That happened to me with the Hulk when I um Eric what? the original, the original Hulk, not the film. Uh-huh. Okay, let's be let's be okay. I'm exaggerating Wait, a little. When you say the original Hulk, not okay. the Lou. No, no, not, not the, Bill Bixby. <laughs> okay. Digging myself deeper and deeper here. Okay, Eric Banner. Okay, we all know Eric Banner. He played Hulk in Hulk. He uh-huh. did a sketch comedy show in the 90s, in 1998. And oh. we filmed a whole day's worth of this one scene, this one sketch, which was meant to be like a whole big like parade and carnival. And he was going to do like a riding the bike down the street and jump over a ramp and jump over a whole bunch of people. And we were sort of, we oh. were filmed cheering him on and stuff like that. And then, so yeah, I've told my whole family, I'm going to be on Eric, you know, my TV debut. Uh-huh. No, no, we were cut out of the uh... show. And it was snippets in the final episode of it because it lasted about eight episodes. So I know what it's uh... like. I know what that's like. But it wasn't Batman, obviously. It's happened a few times. It happened on Batman Begins, happened on 90210, but they did tell me ahead of time that my scenes had been cut because I was playing a manager at a at a well-known sandwich chain in in America Jersey Mike's and I was playing a manager and then just a letter came through that was like hey the company doesn't feel comfortable in their brand being represented in that way which makes sense but it happens now I'm very wary you know if you film something unless you're sure that your stuff can't be cut I'm I'm very wary about being like I'm gonna be in this thing uh because you might not be mm-hmm. look at least you'd learn it early on and you didn't get sort of a hundred jobs in and then be like ouch man what yeah yeah i learned it right out of the gate yeah that's it anyways we'll move on because the strike is over the strike is over yes that's it congratulations well it's yes. tentatively over tentatively over for tentatively tentatively over yes let's just pretend it's the first exclusive interview post-strike with an actor <laughs> from hollywood <laughs> it's not it's really really not but are your arms tied from holding up your placards oh my gosh and did i say that right uh i've just been saying picket signs maybe you say placards in in australia that sounds very uh pick up your placards mate it, it, yeah it's one of those things where i i say a word and i'm like hang on is that the word i'm supposed to use and i look it up and then i found out that it was so you can still yeah you can use that well placard take it placard placard I don't know. It's something. <laughs> yeah, we've been since, gosh, the writers went on strike in May and then SAG just reached their tentative agreement last Wednesday. So all in all, it's like six months, six and a half months. So it's been slim, slim pickings, but I have shed a lot of weight on the picket line. So that's been a nice side effect, I guess. Take what you can get. That's, that's not that's not how you want to do it. That's not how you want to <laughs> do it, you know? It's like people say to me about gaining weight, I'll just be a depressive eater. I'm like, I'm depressed enough, but I don't eat. And I don't feel like that's the way I want to gain weight is by stuffing my face because I'm sad about something, you know? I mean, I haven't I haven't just been doing it from picketing. Sorry, but... that's, no. we shouldn't be talking about this. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I don't mind talking about my weight. It's too, way too personal. Uh, you know, my, uh, my weight, you know, yo-yos up and down and... 
I have been making a conscious effort to lose weight and I've been working with a trainer and then, you know, getting my 10,000 steps in every day on the picket lines. It's yep. been all right. Oh, I guess that is the way you want to do it then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind. Just in my experience of losing weight in the past, sometimes auditions dry up because then you're no longer in the category that casting has seen you in before. And then you're no longer yeah. a big, big, schlubby, chubby guy, but you're no longer, you're not a skinny, tall, lanky guy. And you're sort of in this middle area that normal. no one knows what to do with you. Normal. That's what you're in the uh, normal. You don't know what to do with normal people, Hollywood. Fuck. Sorry. I don't I don't know. Uh I don't know if I would subscribe to calling anyone nor I reject the uh the concept of normality. I would say average, but that sounds like shade. <laughs> yes, no, no. But just you know, what people in their limited notions put you in their boxes of anyway. Yeah, no, it's but it, it's a good conversation to have, I think, because it's something that gets brought up a lot. Just to bring up a, a quick story of casting Dewey Finn in School of Rock on Broadway, Alex Brightman came in quite quote unquote normal, and it wasn't mm-hmm. until he came back four months later, having gained weight, that he got the part. Huh. So you're right in that if you're in between, you're not quite right for when they want that quote unquote. Yeah, the extreme. Bearish or chubbish character. Uh I I don't want to offend anybody who's listening or they want the muscular character or they want the skinny, runty train spotting character. Yeah, you know, acting is always is going to be like based on appearance. So as you transition out of a certain way that you appear and, and move into a different category just sometimes it can be hard to navigate that i guess yeah uh, it sucks yeah if you ask me i think it absolutely sucks uh but anyways you can finally talk about american horror story we'll move on because you are in delicate yes do i need to buy a hat for your wedding to kim kardashian <laughs> goodness gracious me sleeping with her on in secret Ooh, oh spoiler alert dun, for those dun, out there. Dun, dun. But hang on, but I did write that question before I'd seen five. I'm thinking you got killed somewhere in between two scenes where she's on the phone at the end of it. If you don't come back, I'm not surprised. But if you do come back, then awesome. Uh, Gosh, I don't know where the season left off because because of the strike, they had to stop. And so... Mm. Oh, yeah, true. There might be an episode next week that I'm missing out on. I don't know. Where are you? Uh, Maybe are you behind in Australia as well? Five. Five. I don't know how many episodes they've had. Hang on, let's let's have uh, Wikipedia will save the day as always. I probably shouldn't say anyway because of spoiler stuff. I'll I'm gonna err on the side of caution. I can't remember how many episodes I did. Was it four? I did four or five episodes. I think there might be one more episode when they air part two of the season. Okay. I think. We'll find out. The world will find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, good luck and I hope you survive. <laughs> yes. I'll put some beeps in there and make people think you gave me some spoilers. <laughs> if you take it statistically with a lot of my shows, I tend not to survive very often. No. Make it that whatever you will. And it's American Horror Story. I, I highly doubt you're surviving in this <laughs> one anyways. But I do have my theories about the season. Obviously, I think we all do. <laughs> I think we all do, but I'll, it's all right. I won't. Uh, and look, Tim Minea has been on my show. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm not doing anything to piss him off. I'm not doing anything to piss him off. Tim is wonderful. Tim. Uh, I, I don't know if Tim is on uh, American Horror Story right now. Tim no, is he's not. on 911. 
He's on 911 Lone Star, which he uh, very nicely sent me a Facebook message maybe two, three years ago now, being like, hey, I wrote a part for you. Bless him. I met him on Food. Yeah, delightful, delightful man. Uh, which is actually brings me to my next, because uh, it is our anniversary episode, I think, maybe. I might. What the anniversary? Well, our three-year anniversary. Like, we just had our 100th episode, so it's not, you know, it's like two birthdays in one year, being greedy. What is three-year anniversary? Is like one year anniversary is like paper, two year is what I don't know what a, a three year anniversary is supposed to coffee. be. Coffee, coffee, ah, good, good, happy coffee anniversary. Yeah, it's like 5 a.m. or something. Okay, so on my second anniversary, I had someone else who has done five or six, seven shows with Tim as well. Oh, Firefly, The X Files. Um, I don't know, he's done a bunch of them. Adam Baldwin, that parallel. So I had him and solo as well because I thought having a conservative guest on i shouldn't have a co-host that week i'll take it solo uh-huh. just in case so yeah he's worked with tim Moniet numerous times but also he had played john wayne gacy senior and you have played john wayne gacy junior so i figured for our third anniversary we should get junior on the show <laughs> but i sort of was looking through your resume and i was like hang on there's like a couple of parallels here to adam and uh-huh. we are coming up to our third anniversary so if i can edit it in 24 hours this will be our, our anniversary episode but anyways we'll move on now to the middle if you could pick your craziest most over-the-top rock star rider what would you put in it oh boy oh my gosh like crazy i'm so easy to please i'm just like yeah i'll just as long as i have like waters and no. bananas available I'm, I'm pretty good no water ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I mean, you can fill a room with kittens if you want. Yeah, That sounds like a Mariah Carey rider, right? I think she did that on a rider once. But um, I have five cats. And if I'm traveling or, or anything, then I, I do miss my cats. Gosh, I don't know. Oh, oh, I'd have a... Se- yeah, you know what? I'd have a selection of films. I do love films. So if like, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I want a uh, full library of movies that I can watch when I'm in my downtime. That's really metal. How about that? Actually, as much as I do a musical theater show and a music show, cinema is my first love. Very much so. Right? Me too. I mean, I I love, uh, we have a physical media collection. Uh, yeah, movies are my first love. I was, I, I had honestly, Aaron, a lot of anxiety about doing uh, this podcast. Not not because it's uh, just uh, metal is not my, yep. like, it's not my, my jam. And my knowledge of sort of classic musicals is... Is, is really lacking as well. I don't listen. To, I don't listen to a whole lot of music. If I do, it's it's like movie scores. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, before coming on, I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to do it all wrong. I'm uh, I'm going to be a terrible guest. I'm. Gonna... Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, I listened to the albums. Yeah. I, I did my due diligence. Uh, I did my homework, and here we are. Yep, awesome. I do appreciate it. And it's, look, the first words that come out of my mouth are the Torture Chamber musical comedy podcast. So that's perfect. <laughs> that I guess that it caused your anxiety. That's not perfect. That's really, really. <laughs> what am I saying? No, I I, I greatly appreciate. It. But it, it's all about learning new genres of music. And so when we have musical guests on. 
a lot of them don't know metal. They've never heard metal before and we'll give them something real full on. Yeah, yeah. And it is a torture chamber for them that they've got to dive into this rah, 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 rah music. I mean, I've just never, never really enjoyed metal. I had a friend in high school, Jeff Buddy, who he enjoyed the band Therapy. Never heard of them. And he gave me one of their albums to listen to probably when I was like 13, 14. And oh boy, it was just so extreme. <laughs> I just remember one song that was like, you kid hide the knives. It, it was a lot. Listening to metal, I feel like it gives me anxiety. It really just sets me on edge. I don't find it relaxing in any way. Even if it's like, if, if it plays in a film, I did a I did a film called Fishmonger, just a little short last year. And they put the trailer that they made starts off, you know, how trailers do. And it gives you snippets of story. And then it twists really sharply into a, a metal soundtrack. And even now I'm still like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, no, the, the metal. Anyway, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast talking about metal. Yeah, no, look, the metal <laughs> fans out there are going to have schadenfreude in spades listening to this conversation. I'm 107 episodes in, right? Well, I've done 106 uh-huh. episodes and I grew up with like Metallica, Motley Crue and so Guns N' Roses. Uh-huh. But then having to listen to the rah, 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 or the real industrial stuff where they're just literally banging around pots and pans in the kitchen. That's what it sounds like. And then it'll be like a ripping sound or something and then like a voice like that and i'm like i have no idea what's going on you guys what is happening in this world so i always write a review to express how i'm feeling as i listen to this album and a lot of the times yes i'm not in the best headspace or i'm going crazy listening to it or it's affecting me in negative ways yeah and i just know that the metal fans out there would have to be loving it like suffer you little brat uh anyways well speaking of my review i'll get into it and i picked incubus science uh, s-c-i-e-n-c-e we know how to spell it but it's actually spelled out on the album that is cold it's horrible i hate cold coffee anyway serves me right when i first chose incubus it was only because the lead vocalist brandon boyd had been a guest on one of this year's 37 seasons of drag race and i picked this album because i recognized the desert on the cover from the spice girls' say you'll be there music video oh yeah that was the other reason uh, so with my expectations sky high i'm sure I engaged the Spotify to begin, hoping in the very least that this 1997 sophomore studio album won't succubus. Redefine began and I thought that was a bold statement to make at the get-go, and whilst this erratic new metal new metal sound was lively and nuanced, I found the lyrics to be rather wordy, although I guess it isn't called concise. So anyways, I was surprised by this sound. I expected, well, not this. Vitamin started and built up over almost a minute in a fraggle rock kind of way before kicking in with dark brooding verses juxtaposed against an angstier if angrier chorus with a rhythmic almost tribal backing. Funky. Crazy. I dig. New Skin continued with the erratic verbnosis and whilst it does seem a bit like Vitamin, its choruses are soaring more than grumpy. Idiot Box came on and I felt seen. This slightly more radio-friendly track slows down whilst keeping the bands as branding. Maybe we should call him Branding Boyd. Next up, I gave Glass a crack and again with the mid-tempo and almost rap-like lyrics which admittedly I can't follow on account of being easily distracted which is actually great for the music, which seldom settles in any of their songs. Magic Medicine sounded like a lullaby for a really messed up child, something that was no doubt sung to me. 
I liked a certain shade of green for living up to its title, as that's the colour my face turned when it started. Oprah's favourite things was more of the same, but then along came a summer romance. In parentheses, anti-gravity love song. Fitting, as I felt gravity leave my stomach. Especially during every summer romance I've had, I've fallen flat on my face. Cause summer romances, somewhere heartaches. But since this is a love song, Let's move on. As quickly as those summer romances. Triggered. Nebula was like switching channels on the TV. New metal, indie rock, thrash metal, and company. Rise. Rise. Dumb jokes aside, I really dug into the 11th track. Deep inside. I went balls deep. Even though I took it slowly, one foot at a time. Once I was knee deep, I could thrash around a bit, even though it was funky. But at under four minutes, I could pull out before it was too late. I don't know how to pronounce Calgon, Calgoni, Caljone. Moving on. And with segue one, we're trolled for 10 minutes. So don't do drugs, kids. That's a high, literally, three and a half, almost a four. So I quite dug it. It was like funky. It was tribal. Mm. It was rap. It was new metal. It was thrashy. It was rah, rah, rah. It was soaring. It was like everything going on in my mind in an album. Mm. Interesting. I, again, don't know anything about metal. Uh, when it first came on, I was surprised to hear uh, a little bit of like a didgeridoo kind of sound going on. How did I? What? Where, did, what, where was I? Hey, the, on the first track, right, I'm going to have to open up because I don't remember what the track was called. But the very first track on the album. Redefine. I'm going to have to listen to it again. Yeah. I feel like there was a little bit of didgeridoo going on in there. Brandon Boyd plays the didgeridoo, so... So then I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, then it got into the real metal stuff. And then I was like, oh, oh no. Do you know, have, have you seen the um, Simpsons episode? I can't remember what Homer is doing at the time, but he's like, urge to kill, rising, rising, falling, rising. And that's how I feel when I listen to metal is like, I, I just feel myself getting angry and, and frustrated. You can't go on that with them. That's 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 on me. You're probably a joyous person, though. That's probably what it is. You're probably just a naturally joyous person, whereas a lot of people we find find a catharsis in it mm. that it is representing sort of how they're feeling. So I, I'm not psychoanalyzing you on my show. I'm sorry. I've just met you. Wait a minute. What are your qualifications? I haven't recorded in a month, Dominic. <laughs> I am so rusty at the moment. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. I'm putting my foot in it. That's okay. I'm. Uh, I, I feel rusty i feel rusty too you know i was as i was listening to it i was thinking gosh maybe i'm doing the assignment wrong because i found myself listening but then i was doing other things around the apartment i was like ah, oh, i've got to load the dishwasher and oh, i've got to like vacuum a little bit and then i was like no i should sit down and i should like intentionally listen really hard to the lyrics and so then i would i'd really try and then after about 30 seconds i'd be like oh oh gosh i i, I just feel myself getting anxious and then i would carry on yeah. loading the dishwasher or, or, or carrying on. So maybe I didn't give it its due respect in, in that regard. It makes sense to move around and do things. Some albums I can sit down and just listen to. This I couldn't. Uh -huh. This I couldn't because it was so erratic. So I was forever moving around doing things. Uh -huh. But I had it on loud enough. I could hear it no matter where I was in the vicinity. That'd be a great critic blurb for the front of an album. Makes you want to get up and move around and do things. Yeah, makes you want to do the dishes. <laughs> I think there's some great musicianship in there because they were experimenting.
experimenting in that you can tell like well you could tell there was didgeridoo i got it and i'm the australian here yeah what there's just so much eclecticity is that a word i know own it it was just so all over the joint it really was it was like very adhd uh-huh but musical at the same time but then you would have moments that were just weird like the lullaby which is this whispered lullaby and then the segue which was 10 a hidden track but on spotify it's its own 10 minute track that was just I don't know what that was. We were being trolled. Remember hidden tracks? I remember hidden tracks on CDs. Yeah. And you would listen to the last track and unless you stopped it and took it out of your CD player, you had like five minutes of silence before then. Was it? Uh, I think Mika had one on his first album that was like five minutes of silence. Uh, Maybe Natalie and Brulia had one on hers. I don't remember. Yes, I had left at the middle. Did that have a secret track on it? I think so. I feel like it did. Uh, but yeah, I was raised on Neighbours and Home and Away. So I, uh, yeah, I recognize that didgeridoo. Well, we have got a question coming up about something to do with that. Yeah, look, I, I, I thought his voice maybe not as strong as someone like Mike Patton from Faith No More, who you probably have no idea who I'm talking about. I'm sure he's a stand-up guy. I hope he's a stand-up guy. Is he a stand-up guy? I would love to know, and he should totally come on my show. In fact, so should Brandon Boyd, because I would love to know. He seems to me, well, when we, we saw him on Drag Race this year, he seemed to me not like that typical rock star, mm. like rowdy. He seemed very settled, and if anything, I could imagine him putting on glasses, sitting at a piano, composing songs. Mm as opposed to jamming on a guitar or something. He striked me as more of a learned musician interesting than a garage band if you will then mm. i don't know any of their other music apparently this album was very different to their other stuff i can't comment on that because i i although i feel i feel like i'd heard of the band incubus that that drive song i feel like it was like in my lexicon of knowledge where you were like hey yeah we're gonna do a metal album and it's incubus and i was like yeah incubus is metal like i i would was aware enough to put that association together yeah. but anything beyond that i was like okay i don't know yeah well i picked him because incubus is like the whole demon thing and i thought that was fitting to american horror story <laughs> <laughs> it's weak ass connections we do every darn week oh no that's okay this is again i had that anxiety about being like i'm gonna be a horrible horrible guest no, not no. in a like not in a vitriolic like what are you what is this but it's fine i keep putting my foot in it dominic i keep putting my foot in it <laughs> no don't don't you know where my ears pricked up as you gave your your review and your introduction when yeah. you were like ah oh, yeah i picked this because it was the location of the spice girls video i was like <laughs> i know that music video yep i know that ah i had that album yes i know that music video very well yes one of the greatest albums of the 1990s or of the 20th century full stop yes the music video was was that say you'll be mine or say you'll be there say you'll be there so yeah, that's right see i have some music knowledge yeah, good music knowledge if it's Spice Girls. Um, actually, Adam Baldwin last year, one of my favourite moments with any guest was he goes to me, do you know the big five metal bands? I go, yes, Sporty, Ginger, Baby, Scary and Posh. 
And he's just like, oh my God, fathers. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> You're so depressed that those are the words that come out of my mouth. They were everywhere in England when I was growing up. Yep. I got their first two albums. I got their first two albums, for sure. We're not talking about the Spice Girls. Not complaining any anyone wants to talk about on this show. Um, Look, as I say, these guys that... I can't judge their other music, so I don't know if their other stuff is like this sort of very new metal. It's not a genre that I really like all that much of what I've heard of it. You know, Limp Bizkit and Linkin Park, really. I know who they are. Well, there you go. Like, I couldn't tell you a single song they've done, but I've heard <laughs> of them. Uh, I know they did George Michael's Faith. Limp Bizkit did a cover of George Michael's Faith. Oh, George Michael. And Jamelia, yeah, Jamelia did Numb by Linkin Park on Radio One's Live Lounge. And it's a really, really good cover. So I know those songs. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. See, I'm not awful. I'm fine. No. I deserve to be here. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm having a lot of fun anyway. So, and I haven't had recordings. That's the thing. I've, I've been producing another show that I'm not hosting, uh-huh. but I haven't had this show to work on, which I, picked you to come on this show regardless of your knowledge of metal musicals or anything like that so it's because i have questions to ask or i have jokes to make an introduction or there's gotta be i have to have a vision for the episode before i invite anyone Uh basically okay cool yes anyway so don't be so hard on yourself we're gonna move on where's my segue oh no it's a really stupid one this week i think we've incubated on this albumen for long enough shall we crack on with an ad break excellent from the producers of fresh and treasure and airing exclusively on the bloop network around the world in 80 plays hosted by the adorable lizzie b and alfie parker and starring the gorgeous Dolly the dog. They'll take you from city to city, exploring the rich arts and cultural history of the UK and Ireland. New episodes air on Tuesdays, and here is a sneak peek. Yeah. Right. Right. Rewind. So, 
it was a bit of a luxury for us getting here because we actually got a lift, didn't we? We got a lovely lift, uh, in a lovely car uh, from Hull to Stoke by our lovely friend Amber Kennedy, who is in the show with us as well. Alfie's worked with Amber before. I have worked with her before. I worked with her on Joseph just before duh, 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 COVID-19. And she's lovely. So when I found out she was doing this as well, I'm going to be on tour with me for another year. I was very, very excited. Yeah, and it was lovely because as we spoke about last time, Dolly had some really nice uh, doggy daycare in Hull. So we went and picked her up from there and then Amber drove us to Stoke, which it was like two or three hour drive. Yeah, it was really, really kind of her because it's it's less hassle. We can, you know, shovel the stuff in the car and just be on our way. And I think especially because we had to pick Dolly up, it just made it way easier for us. So thank you, Amber, for the lift. It was very kind. Thank you. And thank you for stopping off for Greg's. That is obviously key information. Amber did stop off. I asked her to swing a left. We went to Greg's, which if you don't know, is a lovely chain bakery that they normally have at service stations and in your local town centres. Sausage roll. Vegan sausage rolls for me. Pizza slice. They've got it all. So I recommend that. So basically, Alfie had the best journey ever. (laughs) Now... I think the audiences here have been the best they've been on the tour so far. Yeah, I agree, actually, 100%. It's just, they've just reacted. They're up for it. Rowdy at times, mm-hmm. a little bit. But that's fine, like, respectful rowdy. Just really engaged in it and not afraid to kind of... Sometimes in audiences it takes one person to kind of go, woo, for the audience to kind of relax a bit. But here, from the get-go, they've been really loud and vocal, and I think that just then sets the tone for the rest of the evening. Yeah, definitely. No, really, really enjoying it. And um, the theatre staff have been lovely. And Dolly is allowed at work here, which is the best part. And everyone's been really, really lovely to Little Miss Doola. Our accommodation as well. So Stoke was another place that was quite difficult for us to find dog-friendly accommodation. And what's really nice is that on Facebook, there is a community of like pet-friendly theatre digs people. And I'd kind of done a bit of a shout out on there saying I was struggling to find somewhere and someone dropped me a message and said, I stayed in this place before. They don't advertise it as dog-friendly, but if you drop them a message and explain, they should be happy for you to stay there. So I dropped them a message and we've got it booked and it's lovely, isn't it? It's like a converted garage which is attached to someone's house and we get the bus in and a taxi home and the taxis have been brilliant as well, haven't they? The taxi has been epic. We've had the same man. He's called Alfie. He's called Alfie, of course. But the same man every evening. It looks like I've got a chauffeur. Yeah, it does. He's there, he grabs our bag, he puts him in his boots. I feel like a bit of a star, to be honest, I went back. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Absolutely. And we're back with Thrash and Treasure. I'm Aaron. I'm flying solo this week, but I'm joined by Mr. Dominic Burgess, the pride of Stoke-on-Trent. And in that show, I was just talking about Around the World in 80 Plays, hosted by Lizzie B and Alfie Parker. In the third episode, they're in Stoke-on-Trent. Oh, boy. I'm so sorry for that. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Stoke-on-Trent gets a lot of, uh, it gets a a bad rap. It's always in, you know, those polls at the end of the year that's like 15 worst places to live in England. 
Aww. Number 13, Stoke-on-Trent. But, uh, you know, I grew up there. I love it. We've got Alton Towers, which is the UK's number one theme park. Take that. It is, too. And take that. We've got to take that. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. And you have Emma Bridgewater. So when was the last time you painted a teacup for your mum? Oh, my gosh. I actually, we went on a date. I say it was recently. It wasn't. It's probably before COVID now, uh, where we, uh, it's, a, it's a shop in LA called Color Me Mine. And you pick out, like, they've got mugs or, or uh, pottery that you can paint. So I picked out a shark. And my fiance picked out a hippopotamus. And then we put succulents in them. And none of the succulents have ever survived. So now they're just, like, pieces of pottery that we got around the house. That's the last time I painted pottery. Came out good though. They look good. They're good. Yeah, I wonder. They're good. We used to have plaster fun house in Australia when we were kids. Plaster fun house. Yeah, it was just it was like little plaster, like they would get a clown or like a dinosaur and you'd paint it. You have kids' parties there. It was the tits. Like we loved that place as children. Yeah, that's exactly what Colour Me Mine sounds like. Although I have really gotten into, I don't know if it's made its way to Australia, uh, the Great Pottery Throwdown, which also takes place in Stoke. And it's it's a really genteel pottery making show with like contestants. And then the prize is just like a ceramic mug or like vase. And <laughs> there's no prize money. Oh, it's probably BBC. Yeah, everyone's very nice. The host cries a lot, but yeah. it's fun. It's nice. It's like real, very serene. Mm -hmm. Very Stoke on Trent. Very Stoke on Trent. That's it. See, I'm an expert now because we're literally at the research. We have to prepare these episodes for our hosts because they're literally touring around the UK. So every episode is a different city. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, on the Sister Act UK and Ireland tour. Anyways, we'll plug our other show, which is dropping tomorrow. Alrighty, before we move on to the musical, Home and Away or Neighbours? Oh my gosh. Okay, they're very different. Um, I started with Neighbours first. That was my introduction to Australian soap. Yep. Uh, I remember being devastated when Daphne died. That was my first uh, on-screen death that I'd ever seen. And I remember being really heartbroken. And I was probably six or seven years old. <laughs> devastated. And then I remember that Home and Away was always darker. They always dealt with darker storylines. Because Home and Away in England was on at like 5.30 on BBC. And then you'd switch over to ITV to catch Home and Away. And that was at six o'clock. So that was like, ooh, the real serious stuff happens at six o'clock. Yeah. And there's like, I don't know, muggings and, and attacks and natural disasters and people get kidnapped and there's guns and, and Neighbours always felt very safe. Yeah. So I'll take a little bit of both. But Neighbours was my introduction to Australian soap. But I always appreciate Bobby coming out of the fridge. This guy, Elsa. Yes, I remember that. That was so stupid. Or... Or drunk yeah. Irene stumbling through the window on Finlay. Irene, yes. And she's still in it. Yeah, is, is Ray Mega still in it? Is Alf still in it? He quit the show in order to get a gold Logan, and he came back a year later, so I don't know. Oh. I don't watch it anymore. He's playing the system, huh? Yeah, I think he did. Interesting. Kidding, Ray Mega, uh, Ray Ma, Ray Ma, not Mega, Ray Ma. Is it? Um, I'm so sorry. That that's on me. No, no. I went along with it for a minute, and I realized, no, it's Ma. Uh, please don't sue us. Is what was going to come out of my mouth before I corrected his name. So yes, please don't sue us for that or me. <laughs> You're actually very lucky, Aaron, because I'm being very restrained uh, today. Yeah. 
But anytime I talk to an Australian, because I was, you know, raised on Neighbours and Home and Away for an hour every night, uh, you're very lucky that I'm not slipping into uh, mimicry and copying accents. Go for it. Yes, please do. It's a very dangerous path that, that we're treading. Because uh, I'll go there yeah. if you... Uh, Struth Elsa. Struth Elsa. Fair yep. True blue, mate. Yeah. Bloody Rupert. Bloody unreal. Let's go down to the surf club and get an OJ. That was very home and away. Are you listening? Home and away, neighbors, producers, call up Dominic Station. I'll do it. I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll be down there and I'll do I'll do a run of, of those episodes. Exactly. I mean who have they gotten on there from um England lately? Like uh, Misha Barn actually recently. Misha Barn's like... on on Neighbours. That's right. That's right. Didn't they have yeah. a guy on uh, Home and Away from Coronation Street for a while? Or maybe he was on Neighbours. Oh, there was. I, I feel like there was a Coronation Street star that they pulled. I don't know. I've dipped back into Neighbours as as they were like ending the show, and they were like, Guy Pierce is back. Kylie Minogue is back. And I was like, yeah. all right, I'll watch those last five episodes just to, to see. And then I haven't dipped back in now that they're, they're back on freebie on Amazon. That's it. And I didn't watch the final week because I didn't want to believe it was ending. And lo and behold. Oh, no. So I still haven't well, seen them. It's like fringe. Now you can go back because it's never truly over. Oh, that's it. But anyways, no, your Australian accent is brilliant and a lot better than some of the Americans we've had on this show. God bless them. They try. They try. They try. They try. They try. I love them. Well, no, I don't think that's fair. That's bad. I shouldn't say that. I think in England, when people say, oh, English people can do accents better than Americans can, I think it's because we were just exposed to it more in our television viewing. Because I was exposed to the Australian accent an hour a night um, growing up. And then all the programming that I watched was... Star Trek and X-Files and Twin Peaks and Buffy. And so I was exposed to the American accent just as much as I was exposed to British accents. So Um, I was in Buffy in the comics. I loved Buffy. Me too. Oh, moving along, but uh, I'll throw it in there. We had Shovna Galati from Corrie on the show. Uh-huh. My, my first episode of that, Richard Hillman bashed Emily oh. Bishop on the head with a crowbar. Oh my gosh. That was my first episode of it. I'm like, ah, what ah. am I watching? Oh my godfathers. And, and it just went crazier and crazier as it went along. But anyways, yeah, this week I picked Gigi because I thought, well, I, I it was a well-known, ca- like Incubus, I'd always known their name as well. Like, like you had said, uh-huh. Gigi, I'd always heard like it's a classic musical. It's, you know, a gay favorite. I'd never heard it before. I I thought it was from like the 50s or the 60s. I didn't know it was from the 70s. So I picked it, not knowing it was about a French courtesan, which fits in with last week's, or the last episode, which aired a month ago, where I had two guests from Moulin Rouge, the musical, on the show. So yeah, it was sort of fitting to... It was hard. So I went with Gigi. And did you fall in love with her? Um, I... Well... Okay, here's the thing. I enjoyed the experience of listening to the musical more than I enjoyed the experience of listening to Incubus. Yep. But just because I'm in the arts and so that is, oh gosh, I, I feel like I am being careful with my words. It was just more <laughs> pleasing to my ears. It was it was something that I was like, okay, I can appreciate this and I enjoyed it more. Although my mark for knowing if I enjoy a musical or not is when I see the musical is if any of the songs or any of the hooks stay in my head the next day. Yeah. So I could watch a musical and be like, oh yeah, I enjoyed that. 
And then the next day, if it's still rolling around in my head, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, I want to listen to that track again. And I will track it down. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, actually I could listen to that whole album again. This one didn't give, there wasn't any tracks on this album that I was like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. It felt a little dated in terms of, I couldn't imagine a, I couldn't imagine a modern interpretation of it or i couldn't imagine a huge audience being driven to see it if it was put on now maybe i'm wrong maybe if leah michelle was like the star of it everyone would be like yeah but I, I i don't know it wasn't something that i could see myself going to watch if it was on at the pantages nearby and being like oh yeah we gotta go out of our way to watch that yeah and the album we did was from 2015, so it was the recent, like, recent revival. With Vanessa Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens. And it lasted, I think, 107 performances. Like, I don't think it did as well. But I don't think originally, I'd have to look it up again, Wikipedia. We'll save the day. Okay, original productions, uh, the musical opened on Broadway where it ran for 103 performances. Mm, like three months, huh? Yeah. Uh, and seven previews. It had Agnes Moorhead in it. She's she's lovely. There's my Liverpoolian accent. Lovely. I have a, a yeah an impersonation of um no Ringo Starr. Not connection, but I think of Ringo Starr from Thomas the Tank Engine because he used to narrate the Thomas the Tank Engine episodes. Yes. This production, it doesn't say how many performances. Mm. Uh, read from March to June. I think this was a time when, and I've discussed it on the show before they were making comedy vehicles for leading ladies uh-huh. sort of the 40s through to the 60s up into things like sweet charity and stuff like that uh-huh. i think by then i don't know they just weren't making the unique this was Lerner and low as well this is my fair lady this is camelot they've got two of the biggest most classical musicals we did camelot recently and we kind of all agreed that the revival of it wasn't as good as what we would vaguely remember the original to have been because uh-huh. it was just it was Lerner and Lowe. They were they did masters of the game up there with Rogers and Hammerstein and Cantor and Evan, all, all them. I think by this point, the flavor had gone. I don't think the material was there. A lot of these leading lady comedies were failing. And still today, there's not very many of them. Mm. And I think that's a shame. And that's why they keep reviving them like Funny Girl recently and this, because it's a way to cheaply, if you will, because they don't have to invest in a new show, but it's a way to get that latest it girl on the Broadway stage in that leading lady comedy role. And will the show land this time? Mm. It didn't. It didn't seem to. Yeah, it didn't set my, it wasn't offensive to my ears, but it just didn't set. Like I woke up this morning and could not repeat any melodies or any lyrics or any there was no hook in there that was like oh we watched um over lockdown uh come from away that that aired here and then you know the following morning i still had one of the songs in my head and was like oh yeah i enjoyed that and um yeah that's my that's my measure of of if i enjoyed something as if it's still rolling around afterwards yeah and that's what you want from a musical. And this was the time when musicals were producing hits. Songs were, Hey Big Spender from Sweet Charity became a hit. Rhythm of Life was, was a hit song. Songs from Hair, songs from, God, I, I, I could, this goes on, I just can't think of them right now. But yeah, like even Mame, I think was not too long before it, I think was just a little bit more successful than this one, mm-hmm. if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. But yeah, and look, I've always known the show and I, I 
if you had asked me a week or a couple of weeks ago, oh, who wrote the novel that Gigi was based on? I would have said Colette because it's something that's been so in pop culture and yeah. it's been done by every local theatre company you know, around the world numerous times because it's that, you know, when you've got a Nick girl in your theatre company, do a show like this because you are showcasing them. Yeah. I don't think this show showcased her, the, the her, if you will, mm-hmm. as much as what it could have. It's a bit close to home for me because when I was 16, 17, 18, I had a friend whose mum was a prostitute and then uh-huh. the daughter got into prostitution as well. So oh, boy. She was sort of like a modern day Gigi. Mm. <laughs> I know this because I was still friends with her at the time. So. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. That's so sad no why that's that's shaming you are slut shaming no i don't that's not what i mean <laughs> i know i know i know it, it is kind of sad yeah yeah they like think about it and they were my friends yeah no no there's no sex shaming uh here on on my part at all i was kidding i was shit stirring no i get it i get it you know and think about it that's your daughter that you're leading into that yeah like if she got into it on her own volition, that's one thing. But for her mum to be like, come join me and do this, yeah. we did think was a little bit weird. And then she stole money of us. Oh my gosh. So we never saw her again. Because obviously she stole money off us, so she wasn't coming back, was she? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Life has been fun and very, very interesting. No wonder I host a show about heavy metal. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I kind of related to that is what I'm saying, that this is a, a family business for them, courtesan for this rich man. And I know it's a love story and she falls in love and... Mm. Yeah. Blah. Good, great. I, I, I lucked out this week, new metal and romance. So, uh, look, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, uh, it was... I wouldn't go out and buy it and purchase it or any of the songs no and there's i think one song became a standard was thank heaven for little girls i remember there was a commercial where there was a male singing that song i don't even remember what the commercial was for but it was always creepy it still remains creepy today yeah nothing in there or that you know there certainly wasn't anything in there that if there was a revival coming through la that i'd be like yeah we gotta go watch Gigi. that's my review what if kim kardashian was playing Gigi. Uh, I'm sure people would then go and watch yeah. it. <laughs> people would, not you. <laughs> uh, well, just because like, I, I wouldn't want to put myself through something that I didn't think I was going to enjoy as a whole, as a music. Like, obviously, if it's like a close friend and they're like, hey, I'm going to do the revival of Gigi, I'd be like, yeah, cool. I'll come and watch. And then die inside a little bit. It wouldn't be because I'd be like, yeah, because that show is amazing. It'd be because I'd want to go and support a friend. And so I don't know if I would go and watch it if it wasn't someone that I knew that was in it. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, you know, there's musicals that come around. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go watch Book of Mormon, regardless of who's in the cast, because I just enjoy that show. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I, I wouldn't be signing up to do this. Though I did sign up to assistant or excel in music. So no, see, I like sound I've been to I've been to sound of music sing-alongs. I've been there. Yeah. I like sound of music. So I I we both were pretty meh on Gigi. It was meh meh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But where's my thingo? Where's my segues? Goodness gracious me. I throw my notes around during this whole show because I get so excited. That's but... all right. Metal music will make you do that. It'll make you move. We've established that. Too much coffee and caffeine. Oh, here we go. It literally says segues on the top. Anyways, it looks like Gigi had to go-go to an ad break. G'day, 
G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Landing with a thud that echoes throughout the whole cottage, Toniston instantly rips off the manky shoes gifted to him by Milford and tosses them into the corner behind a blue barrel. Without a second thought, the bully races down the hallway to the backmost room of the house and leaps behind his uncomfortable makeshift hay bed, then waits, and waits, and then waits some more, until finally, what seems like an eternity later, muffled growls start vibrating through the thin walls of Cubpaw's cottage. He tries to control his breathing, but his heart is racing way too fast. Toniston ducks down further. Nothing should be able to see him, but he can't be sure they won't smell him. The gruff growling grows louder. Toniston presses his ear against the cold, chipped, chalky wall. He thinks he can make out phrases like, Where is it? And, Give us the merge. Though not much else. It's all too mumbled, and he's shaking too much. But it doesn't matter anymore. The front door of the cottage slams open with a harder, louder, cracking thud than it ever had before. A dozen or so stomping footsteps enter. The cottage shakes uncontrollably as if it is as terrified as our friend the bully is. Toniston panics. He's trapped in a corner with a slew of sharks on his trail. He makes a sudden rush decision. Ripping aside the thick animal hide curtain, Toniston leaps through the small oval-shaped window headfirst, landing on a crate filled with hay sitting outside it. Mustering every ounce of manliness he has not to react verbally as he lands with a crunch on the sharp, pin-like hay. It pierces his skin in several places, but thankfully, in his panicked state, the bully becomes numb to the pain. Counting his blessings, but not his chickens, Toniston struggles out of the crate by throwing his legs over and levering himself up, causing the coral underneath his feet to snap. He loses balance and tumbles. To describe the pain of tumbling face first down a steep hill of hard, sharp, deadly shaped coral would require far too many swear words than this author would be allowed to publish, so let's just say it hurt a lot. With one last somersault, Toniston's legs fly first over the cliff's edge. Crunch. His left hand grabs hold of the outmost jagged knob of coral. The stocky body of the ten-year-old child sways rapidly back and forth like some sort of death-defying pendulum. He gasps for air, or from shock, not even Toniston can tell. All he knows is above him, a deadly coral cliff and deadlier sharks. Below him, larger, sharper coral under a sea of giant, sharp spikes of natural metal. His head throbbing and vision too blurred with bright red splotches to be able to see clearly for too long. His face is dripping with blood. It runs down his shirt front, tickling him in the process. But all he can do is swing there. It's moments like these that a boy really needs his mum. Unfortunately, while Toniston's life hangs in the balance, on earth his life was dishonestly 
being celebrated by all at Gumbaya Primary School after news of the bully's disappearance had spread like wildfire through the tiny town, then onto the music industry before eventually reaching the wider world. Rock music fans, specifically those of Muzzletop, had flocked to the outskirts of Melbourne, leaving wreaths, band posters, and hand-drawn tributes to honour the missing son of their favourite singer. Although none of them knew the boy, many had seen him standing on the side of the stage of the band's concerts alongside Tina. Also, at the time of his disappearance, hundreds of the world's entertainment media lined the streets outside the school and sadly, outside Tina's house. Wanting any word they could get their greasy hands on, the gossip came in thick and fast as snide, bored neighbours took it upon themselves to speculate and make up stories for their five minutes of fame. Inside the house, the phone ringing 10, 15 times a day from nosy TV stations, hounding the poor, terrified mother, there was no escape. And whilst Tina was never polite in her declination, still they persisted. Call me again and I'll punch you in the nose! she promised. The school's principal, Mr. Patterson, had himself realised how cold and nasty it would look if Toniston Turnbull's former victims didn't at least pretend to mourn his disappearance. And thus, with an added paranoia of becoming a suspect, Mr. Patterson set out to overcompensate with memorials and dedications to the boy who touched all our lives with his love of animals. Mr. Patterson felt satisfied his school's image was intact. The largest memorial from the school came in the form of a service in the gymnasium. With every student, teacher, news reporter and local police in attendance, Mr. Patterson sought to show the world just how much Toniston had meant to the school. The service would have made the bully puke. From the awful school choir butchering his least favourite songs, to the obnoxious releasing of the white doves, Mr. Patterson may have been satisfied his memorial service paid tribute, but Toniston is far too cynical for that. And yet, whilst hundreds of people sat on the cold plastic seats in the Gumbaya Primary School auditorium, not one person in attendance truly knew Toniston when he was around. But all alone... In her large house, the animals all shunned outside, Tina Turnbull sits with her umpteenth glass of wine, ignoring the umpteenth phone call from friends, fans and family, but most sad of all, wondering, for the umpteenth time, what she could have said to her only child to have brought the two of them closer together. A now broken photo of Trent Turnbull and an infant Toniston only hours after his birth sits at her feet under the table. Tina simply doesn't care about the million tiny shards of glass cutting up her feet. She just wants her son back. And as if joined at the soul, while dangling from the lavender-coloured dead coral cliff face, somewhere in his head voice, Tina's cries are heard by the boy. His face scrunches up, but then it relaxes. I can do this. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Anyways, we're back with Thrush and Treasure. We're the Ashleys. I'm Ashley Aaron, and that's the number one Ashley. It's Mr. Dominic Burgess. Now, I just got a few questions on your hopes and dreams for the future. Oh my gosh. Are you for or against the term character actor no yeah never mind i i call myself a character actor for sure yeah it's what i am it's the face i've been given 
Yeah, we've, we've been very yeah. passionate on this show about it because we have a lot of people who are, you yourself, amazing talents and you're doing it and you're in iconic roles in multiple different projects. I, I, I think to diminish it to a character actor is to say that there are stars and there are character actors. Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I guess like growing up, I've always been like, yeah, because I guess, you know, when you, gosh, I don't know how to say this without uh, uh, feeling like I'm throwing myself under the bus. You know, when you're you're not what people would call traditionally handsome, there you go. You you sort of know the sort of roles that you're going to go in for. Or, But I, I enjoy it. I enjoy going in for the roles that are a little weird or quirky or over the top or something that a traditional leading man might not get a chance to to, to play or to do yeah i don't know if i answered that very well at all i don't mind being called a character actor i don't mind being called an actor i'll take both monikers yeah cool how about what do you prefer a gay actor or actor oh actor yeah it's not funny yeah actor yeah it is Huh. No wonder I psychoanalyze my guests when I'm asking questions like this. No, 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 you're fine. That's that's a good it's a good question to ask. Well, you talked about it with Peppermint about her being known as a performer or a trans performer. So I myself being a writer, I am a writer. I'm not a gay writer. I just happen to be a gay man. Like this is the part of me. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah. and you, you're not known for gay roles, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I play them and I uh play straight roles. Um, I guess Victor Bourne was. Yeah, I, I suppose it depends on the kind of role. Like if it's if it's for something like Victor Bono, or if it's for if you're playing a gay character, I I think then I I wouldn't mind you know being introduced and saying like Dominic Burgess, who's openly gay, because I think then you know they're they're sort of oh gosh, I'm I'm really doing a terrible job this this morning of explaining this. I think when you have a gay character that has a voice that is wide reaching and you have a gay actor playing that role and then you have, you know, the EPKs and behind the scenes stuff. And I think then I'd be like, yes, please share that I'm an openly gay actor uh, because I want to bring something authentic to this role. And I also want any viewers that might be closeted or might not uh, understand to see that and say, oh, it is okay for a gay actor to play a gay role. It is okay for to enhance the visibility of the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. actually in, in whatever roles, to know that gay actors can play heterosexual or homosexual. And that, you know, I, gosh, we, uh, you've, you've really opened, you've really, you've really opened my mind this morning to, uh, if I'm happy to be called a character actor or an actor or a gay actor or an actor, that's such an interesting question i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. just like uh the musicals that yep. are out of my mind uh <laughs> that i don't enjoy i'm gonna be thinking about this all day now which is good because i've never been asked that before yeah, but it's such good. an interesting question well, it's something i'm interested in as an artist myself and yeah I, i'm nearly twice that age of some of these people who are standing up saying support my work because i'm a this thing support my work because i'm a that thing but the work doesn't interest me i'm looking at the work i'm not looking at the artist the artist created the work yes but you're not selling the artist to me you're selling the work to me i'm selling my art to people i'm not selling me so that's the way i see it sorry this is your episode yeah hold on no 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 um i i see i absolutely see that point of view to to devil's advocate that you know it could very well be that people might feel bad that like oh my gosh i've given so much money to this 
person that then has spewed all this vitriol and I want to make a conscious effort now to like, oh, I reject that. You know what? I'm going to go spend my money elsewhere and I would like to support this community that this other person has put down. So, you know, I, I could see both sides. I could see both sides of, of that. Yeah, it's like um, diverse casting. They should have been doing it anyway. It, sh- it shouldn't take there being a villain for someone to stand up and be a hero. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Life is not a movie. If you've got it in your yeah. heart to do something, just do it. Don't wait for there to be a hero or someone to come along or a, a villain, sorry, or to set precedence or whatever. If you've got, I think, mm-hmm. supporting artists that to me is mm-hmm. more important because as i say we're selling our art we're not selling us as people yeah yeah yeah. like in your shows you're not dominic in those shows you are victor your kilgore your agorax in the weakest link in the two hundred thousand and nine hundred or whatever year it was in the future so anyways what makes you want to give a standing ovation and when was the last time you felt dirty giving one? Oh boy you know, anytime I go and watch a friend's play, I always feel, you know, if it's a good play, then yeah, I'll stand and give a standing ovation. Last time I, I, uh, can I tell a Celine Dion story? Please do. Can I tell a Celine Dion story? Because Las Vegas is pretty close to Los Angeles, so we would go and watch her in, in residency, and there was, there was one show, there, there had been like a string of cancelled performances beforehand, and then there was one show where she came out um and she started with a different song than she would normally open with and she opened the show with an apology and she said hey i'm so sorry i've thrown out my back and there's not going to be any wardrobe changes tonight i'm just going to stand here in one spot and i'm just going to sing and you know of course the the audience is is um completely on board and everyone's cheering and, and clapping and now obviously subsequently she's she's been diagnosed with stiff person syndrome and my fiance and i have talked and and said like oh i wonder if when we went to watch that show in vegas if this was the beginnings or if she was already suffering from this even though it wasn't diagnosed or made public but she got up there and she sang for two and a half hours in one spot in this corset and this sort of back brace and then i I remember giving a standing ovation because it was like oh my gosh it was still it was still fucking phenomenal even though she just stood there and sang and then and, you know, in hindsight, with with all the medical diagnoses that, that have come out, we were like, I bet that, that was, you know, what was going on. And she still gave such an incredible performance. And I remember, you know, yeah, stuff like, oh, oh boy, anytime John Williams plays at the Hollywood Bowl, because he loves to, you know, conduct and then he'll come out for an encore and another encore and another encore. And then, you know, everyone's going wild and yes. And we had David Newman on the show, actually, who does a lot of his... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. My God. Yeah, he'll, he'll come David and compose. Newman. See, look, if, uh, if, this was a, uh, if this was a composer and uh, thrash yeah. uh, podcast, yeah. I'd be like, oh, let's, let's go down, the, uh, let's go down the, the rabbit hole of movie scores. So, yeah, shows like that I really get into. The last time I feel obliged to give a standing ovation, I don't know. Sometimes I guess, you know, if you watch something and you didn't enjoy it as much, but at the end everyone is standing up and then you're like, oh, and you're like an asshole if I don't. I don't care. 
I'm happy to be the asshole. Are you? No. I, I feel like I um feel like I'm very conscientious in a in a crowd, uh, because I'm six foot I'm six five, three hundred pounds. And so when I book seats for stuff, I'm always like, all right, I'll go on like the, the aisle closest to the wall so that people yeah. behind me can see. Because I've been in those auditoriums where you sit down and then the people behind you are like, Oh god, John, John, I can't see. I can't see over this man's head. John, John, sw- switch seats with me john and and then i feel bad and so yeah anyway i'm digging a hole but look don't feel bad for being tall these people who wear their hair i'm, I'm, I'm not talking about culturally appropriate hair i'm talking about an updo you don't need a fucking updo to the theater kids you don't need a massive hat to the theater kids or you don't need a big massive flower on it. Because I went to my first opening night recently and some of the, like in the front row, there were people with big hair that I wanted to. T- I, I try and be conscientious yeah. of, of where I, I book my seats and, and whatnot. Or I'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, if we get seats there, that's where there's that the rays behind so we can sit there and then people behind can see. Okay. Anyway, went off topic there. No, appreciate it. We've got a theatre, the half the theatre audience as well. So I'm sure they appreciate that because we hear a lot of horror stories from the audience. Well, from the stage, technically. But anyways, uh, let's look back on the 2007 writer's strike when we got an influx of reality shows from that. That's when I first moved to LA. Yeah. There you go. Now, the problem is that with that, with all these reality shows, everyone watched them. And only half Uh the audience kind of went back to the scripted shows. Now, do you think moving forward from these two strikes that we've just had, these six months worth, and equivalent like 200 plus days between them, if you add them up together, apparently that's the thing. How much do you think the onus is on the fans moving forth not to support AI-driven material? That would be the dream. I hope that the strikes ignite a uh, a sort of renaissance, a sort of golden age where people can get really creative again. And if there is a big switch to AI-driven content, I really hope that then those sort of mid-budget movies come back, like the the thrillers and the small smaller budget, you know, yep. 10, 15, $20 million movies come back where it's not a case of the extreme, like ultra-low budget or two $150 million budget film. There's a huge swath in the middle to, to play with. And I, I, I hope that, you know, if there is AI-driven content, that it doesn't ignite, it doesn't take off, and that, you know, that sort of uncanny valley, there's nothing going on behind the eyes, reads to people. Yeah, and you get that in reality TV anyways. Yeah, I um, I mean, I love, I love narrative storytelling. I, I'm a bit wary now of new TV shows. I used to love TV shows. I used to like binge, and you know, I said X Files and Buffy and Twin Peaks, so all these, mm-hmm. all these shows that I used to to love. And then more recently, I I loved Breaking Bad, and I I love For All Mankind. But I'm very wary of starting new shows now with the streamers that just cancel stuff because mm-hmm. there's nothing that I hate more than being story and something being cut up. I, I don't know if you watch Glow. I loved Glow. And then they just cancelled it. So now my viewership habits have changed because of the way that studios and streamers have treated their content that I'll be like, okay, that looks like a show I would enjoy, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to start it until five years down the line when it's finished because I don't want to start something that is going to get cancelled. I started, uh, was it 1899? The 
the like sort of mystery show on yeah. Netflix by the same people that did a show called Dark, and and then it got cancelled after one season. I was like, yeah. so now I, <laughs> I I felt my viewership habits changing yeah. because of the way that uh, studios and streamers are operating their businesses. That then something like TikTok will get ten fucking million fucking people. Goodness gracious me! You you talk about um, TikTok and that um, that short attention span that people have developed now, but that's also what is coming into play with with streamers and and Netflix and Amazon and uh, mm. all these places where storytelling isn't driven by story or character anymore. It's driven by the algorithm. It's driven by the algorithm of how do we keep viewers watching for more than 15 minutes ah oh, we put the big action set piece up front and then we have something that says 24 hours earlier and then we tell the narrative that the, the film it's it's driven by statistics and numbers instead of good storytelling now and it feels like a disingenuous way to make content I feel. Yeah, no, completely 100% agree. Honestly, it took me 14 years to write my novels. An AI could come along, grab a few fucking keywords, release something with that same concept and title and make billions. Yeah. From it. Yeah. It's um and you know it it is it's so scary how fast AI is is developing and mm-hmm. also I, I get I get so anxious when AI is used and then you see on Instagram or TikTok or, or these social media apps that people lap it up. People see mm-hmm. this stuff that's like, hey, look at this Wes Anderson style Lord of the Rings video. And then it's like, but that's, yeah, great. You you put Bill Murray on Gandalf's face and you mimicked Wes Anderson's style, but no one approved that. No one said yes to that. No one. Yeah. But people are like, oh my gosh, isn't this cute and funny? But no, it's, it's not. It's no. um stripping. It's offensive. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. That's where I... No, that's where I sit and I live in it. it. It might feel cutesy and benign, but it's really not. It's driving an algorithm to learn and to to steal. Yeah, that's it. And this is people's hard work. This is people's, their creations, you know? As I say, it took 14 years. Well, it took 12 years to get the first one up. It was 14 years by the time the third one was written mm-hmm. and published. No, no, no. Yeah, I get it. I, I write screenplays and I've had one that I wrote in 2013 that has just been sort of in pre-production perpetually and then COVID and then strikes and someone could come along and just AI it together and sell it or no, thank you. Yeah. And look, I, I, I cringe every time I see these t-shirts that are like two different things. Like they clearly bought off like those Redbubble sites. So like two different uh-huh. franchises put together. I'm trying to quickly think of two different franchises, but I can't actually think of two different franchises. Maybe like, well, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I, oh my God, my, I've gone blank. I've gone blank. Um, yeah, and you, you'll see like the characters in different costumes or something like that, and and they're selling in a red bubble. If you're an artist and you're drawing these things, I've said it before. Contact me on fucking Twitter or email, and we will write a comic together. I am full of ideas. There uh-huh. are tons of writers out there. Instead of taking someone else's work and someone else's IP and making money from or a few bucks off Redbubble, and you, you are literally stealing and you're, you're giving credence to things like the AI, team up with other artists and create things and put it on a website and a store and sell it because you've created your own thing. And one one thing will take off eventually, maybe, if you're lucky. I, uh, I get so anxious uh, and, and there were a lot of act we were on strike 
then all of a sudden there was like this new AI thing that was the yearbook trend where you could put your photo in it and it would make you look like yeah. yearbook photos from the 1970s or the 1980s and the 1990s. And the actors were on strike and there were there were actors that were posting like, hey, look at this cute video of me from 1980. And you're driving the, the thing that we're fighting against in it. Uh, I know blew my mind i'm like what are you doing people uh, but I, I have to be nice because i want people to come on my show so i can't like attack people and be like dude you're like you're playing into this shit i totally get yeah. it you're not gonna see any of that crap on my thing not the dali thing none of these like make your own movie posters or anything i will create my own artwork as shitty and shoddy as it is anyways before we both get too fired up what's one normal everyday thing that everybody else seems to be able to do but you fail miserably at normal everyday thing that normal people can do i fail miserably at yep you know what i have a real problem with on train platforms or metro stations is if i'm walking along the platform and the train start if i'm walking this way and the train starts moving this way i start curling in <laughs> towards the train Really? Um, and so, yep. If there's <laughs> if there's motion coming this way, I sort of move towards the motion. And so, if I'm walking on a train platform and a train starts moving, I have to shield my eyes or stop walking. To st I, I don't know if it's like a vertigo thing, what it is. And there's a train station in in London, Clapham Common, where it's the platform is in the middle and it's pretty narrow. The, the platform isn't that wide and the trains will go both directions. And I, on those train platforms, have to stop moving. I have to like wait for both trains to go and then I can start going. That's, yeah. uh, that's the weirdest thing that I can think of. Lucky you are not a tightrope walker. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it'll be Christmas in a month. Are we ever going to see you make a glorious return to Stoke as a pantomime dame? Oh my gosh. I would love to do that. That'd be fun. Can we collaborate on the script together? It says, can I write it? But let's write it together because I'm a writer. I've written. Do it. Place. Do it. I'll, I'll either come. To... Where in Australia are you based? Are you Sydney? Are you Perth? Are you Melbourne? Melbourne. Melbourne. Neighbours country. Melbourne. That's the only reason why ah. you're allowed to stay in the call was because you said neighbours. Okay, good. Before, if you'd sit home and away, it'd be a if short episode. If it's Summer Bay. That's it, Summer Bay. Out of there. Yeah. Yes, write it. Write it. I'll come do Panto in Stoke or Melbourne. Yeah. Only those two places, though. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah I'll do a Panto. I've never done Panto. I'll do a Panto. Yeah. Sure, why not? They love a celebrity, especially in the UK. I mean, I haven't seen... You know what? I did go to a pantomime once, and, oh my gosh, I can't think of the, the actor's name. Uh, Harold Bishop, Ian somebody. Uh, Ian Smith. Uh, Ian Smith. Ian Smith. Yeah. Ian Smith and Madge were in the same panto. They might have even been in Stoke because he played the Rat King and she played the Fairy Godmother. And Charleston, I'm thinking of, isn't it? Yes. Look, see? Why isn't this a Neighbours podcast? I know. So, yes. Look, it all tied back together. Wonderful. Yeah, I've done a couple of pantomimes 20 plus years ago. We'll move on very, very, very quickly from that. You've done Doctor <laughs> Who, Star Trek. Um, oh, God, no, I've got it written down. The Flash, Batman. Well, Batman, you got uh -huh. cut out of, uh, obviously, the House of Ryan Murphy. So you've done these massive franchises and baby geniuses. Uh, is there a franchise? Yeah, baby geniuses. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Throw a bit of shade there. The world needed it and the world wanted it. Did we? Did we, though? 
Did we? The world gets what it deserves, and it got baby geniuses three, four, and five. I believe it's for the listeners at home. We're talking about baby geniuses and the treasures of Egypt. Yes, and the mysteries of the crown jewels. Yeah, and baby geniuses and the space baby. Is it just the space baby? It wasn't the mystery of the space baby, or the and the something of the space baby. Oh, and just the space baby, huh? Yeah, and you played Guffman. Yeah, I did. Haven't seen him. Yeah. Haven't seen the first yeah. one. Not gonna. Well. Is there a franchise you want to join, though? If you, if you could. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure there's plenty. I can see your DVD collection. It rivals mine. Legit. I, if someone brings back 24, I would do 24. Someone brings back, uh, I know they're bringing back Battlestar Galactica. I would do Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. That's with the, the Clions or the Cylons or... Cylons? Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen an episode of that either. The uh, the reboot that they did 15 years ago, phenomenal. Very, very good TV. That's right. With Katie Suckoff and... Yes. Um, Tamor Peniket, was he in it? Uh, yes. Uh, Mary McDonald. So I know actors. I, I know actors and your work, but I whether or not I've seen it. Edward James Olmos. That's uh, right. Trisha Helfer. Yeah. Yes, great right. show. I would love to do that. Yeah, there's so many There's so many things that I would... Because I'm a fan as well. If someone says they're going to bring back the X-Files, yeah, I'm sure it won't be as good, but I'll do it. Just because I love the X-Files. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm a little tired of the reboots I must have A little tired. I know, me too, but... Not everything needs it. If something's going to be made, I may as well do it. If I love it, sure. Yeah, if it's going to be made, at least people who care about it should be doing it. I'll, I'll agree on yeah. that. Oh, nothing I hate more than, like, loving, loving a series or loving a show or loving, like, a world and then an actor being a part of it. And then behind the scenes, people being like, oh, my gosh, you must be so thrilled to join this universe. And they're like, nah, I hate it. I always hated it growing up, but it's a job, isn't it? And I'm like, mm. yeah, <laughs> okay, that's fine, I guess. It is It is a job, but it is a job. also I would love to be on that show. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. A lot of metal... Heavy metal musicians don't listen to heavy metal. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you know, there's just this people. That's like gynecologists. Anyways. Oh, boy. Sorry. Yes, on that note. Screwed that one up. Anyways, that's it. You made it out of the torture chamber. We did it. In one piece. Barely. Barely. We nearly broke this one. Listeners at home. We uh... nearly broke this one. But that's fine. And I put my foot in it numerous times because I am a little bit rusty. That's <laughs> but... okay. That's okay. It's been such a joy sitting here chatting with you because we're, you know, only a couple of years apart in age, obviously. So we're from the same generation and yeah, love the same tastes and stuff. And obviously, no, some of the same people, really. And it's been so much fun. And I'm sorry to talk to you. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, now go uh, get some sleep, catch up on your sleep. Yeah. And then conquer the day. Yeah. Before I let you go, can uh, where can people find you on the social medias? Oh, boy. Um, I think on Twitter, I'm Dominic Burgess. Yep. And then on Instagram, I'm Dominic Burgess one because a child got there first. And sometimes he will forward me messages and be like, ah, this one's for you. Or he'll let me know if people have tagged him in the wrong stuff. Yeah. God bless him. A self-help guru got mine. Did they? A fucking self-help guru. Ah! Sorry, I don't like I don't like do not like self-help gurus. Yeah, oh what a pain. Yeah, so now I'm now I'm Dominic Burgess one. Uh I guess in hindsight I should have been like thought of a more creative Instagram name instead of Dominic Burgess just one. But again, we live and we learn. If you're Aussie, you'd be Burjo. Burjo? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Would that be just like what Australians would call you? That's what we would call you, Burjo. Yeah. Burjo. Ah, interesting. That's that's Australians. We're we're not interesting. We're bogan. We're very, very, very bogan. <laughs> and you would know that having grown up on Aussie culture. Like I grew up with British culture. But anyways, I'll let you go. Thank you so much. All right, my friends. All right. Thank you. Have fun. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, na, 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 na,